today's podcast. Our topic today is getting off the tools. And this has been a question that we get asked again and again and again. And I can't believe we haven't done a podcast on this yet. I know, it's such a big topic. Such a big topic. And honestly, I feel like I talk about it all the time. So it was quite a shocker when we realised we hadn't talked about it on a podcast. So do you want to start with your story, Diane? How did you get yeah. off the topic? So for me, it was always the plan. So right from the beginning, I was not going to um, be the person providing the cleaning services. But obviously I did, because that's the reality when you start a business is you do the, the tasks of the business. Um, but I probably, it was probably when I got to eight team members before I actually took myself out of the schedule. So I was scheduled to do a lot of cleaning um, until I got to eight team members. So yeah, it was, so it takes a long time. And actually it was probably about 15 team members before I stopped cleaning completely. So it, it was, yeah, it was a bit of a journey. So what happened at 15 team members for you to stop? Cause surely it was even busier at that point. Yeah, it was, it was really, for me, it was a, just a decision point that the, you know, managing a team of 15 and doing everything in the background, doing all at the time I was doing all the customer service, all the invoicing, all the selling, all the marketing, absolutely everything else in the business, as well as going out cleaning. I just, I just couldn't do it anymore. I was a breaking point in terms of my ability to do everything. And it was also, it was the right time. I knew that that was why I always planned to do. I planned to do it sooner. I just kind of got involved in the being busy I suppose and um, like I suppose a lot of us do but for me it was a it was that decision point I am no longer available end of I don't care who's off sick I don't care who's on holiday I don't care what's happening I am no longer part of the decision process I'm no longer the person that jumps in and goes I'll go out cleaning for seven hours or whatever I used to have to do so there'll be people listening to this going, oh, my gosh, I think I'm at that point. But I'm too scared. Like, I don't want to start cancelling cleans because I haven't got absolute stability in my business. And you didn't have stability. Well, you had some, I would imagine, but it was not absolute stability when you did it, was it? No, and it, it was a, you know, I had made some decisions earlier than that where I, I re reduced my hours and, you know, and I wasn't scheduled at this, the point when I made the decision, I'm no longer available. I wasn't scheduled anymore. So I wasn't, I didn't have regular clients. I was literally just the cover. Um, but it was still scary because, you know, I think sometimes it's, it's almost too easy to supplement our income a little bit by going out and doing some of the cleaning. That's um, what I hear all the time. I can't give up. If I, if I didn't do the cleaning, I can't justify taking money. Yeah. And it's, it's, you need that shift. So it's, it's a, like, it's a decision point, but it's also knowing that you've got the business to a stage where it doesn't need you to be delivering the cleaning. It needs you to be running the business. It needs you to be, you know, doing the, the day to day, but not the cleaning. Yeah, it's hard. Isn't How it? about you, Louise? Did you we went through a similar process? Um, yes and no. So um obviously when we got to about sort of similar to you, eight, ten staff, um I continued being on the rotor, but I actually started working with my husband who came and worked in the office. So I was never really massively into working in the office, if I'm honest. Um so I carried on being on the rotor. I love being out and about. Um, I didn't really come off the tools. I guess I started being scheduled off the tools around, it was around sort of 15, 17 staff that I started being scheduled off. But I kind of didn't like being off. Um, I'd rather be on the tools. And I was like, any chance, I was like, get back out. And then it gets to the point where 
I mean, maybe for me, the point where I really stopped was when I started, I started having a few health issues. Um, and then I was like, look, you can't put me back on the tools. I'm not going. I think I, if I'm honest, I'd still be out there now if I could. Really? I love yeah. it. I love it. So I still go out there and like, if, if, like it's quite a big shift though for me like if I see a mistake or I see something hasn't quite been done properly and then I have to go right you guys do it you do it because I'm not going to fix it even though I could um because you don't learn if I fix it um and so I guess the transition came quite slowly for me um yeah quite slowly quite different to you I guess um but I still had to make the same decisions at some point like it was my business and when I took my husband on board and said okay well you sit in the office there's still the same financial risk that I was effectively having to take so whether it's you or whether it's someone else it's your gamble if you choose to take on an admin staff that's someone else sat there not actively generating income for your company so I think that's one of, one of the hard things about it is, is we, we, we spend so much time in our business thinking about getting paid by the hour um, and, and the way the, the business earns money is by the hour. So as soon as you either yourself step back and or bring in somebody on the admin side, they're not earning money for the business, not in the same way as you've been used to thinking about it. And it feels lazy, doesn't it? So you've got your admin person that's doing your scheduling or taking phone calls or doing bookings. It's like, well, okay, what's that going to do? Oh, that gives me more time with my family. And you think, well, that would be really exciting. But we've probably at that point been programmed over two or three years to go every spare moment, I need to be working, I need to be working. So, you know, it doesn't actually feel that great when it happens. No, and it's it's, it's, it's that scary transition point, I suppose. It's a, But it's a brilliant transition point because it means that you have built a business, not just created, you know, a job for you going out cleaning. You've built something that works outside of you. Yes. But does it really work outside of you if someone has to be in the office and that's you? You know, not, not yet. But, you know, at least it delivers the service without you when you've made that transition. So what do you think of the term passive income? <laughs> well you know I, you know I'm into property so I hear that that a lot and I always talk about people talk about financial freedom and and all this sort of thing it's not freedom if you're having to do the day-to-day so it's it's I'm not sure it's real but it does mean that eventually you could become an investor in your business but it's it's a long way off from 15 staff in my opinion okay so quick question when I get asked an awful lot uh, and the question is you know what can I just stop here a second can we just stop recording I've got to phone Gareth urgently apparently okay so Diane what do you think about the term passive income is there such a thing as passive income (laughs) I think there is but that's that's the next stage for your business where you actually become an investor in the business and I hear a lot of talk about passive income and financial freedom but it's not passive if you're working at any point in the business is it but it be it can become less labor intensive shall we say okay so I've got a question right and this is one that I get asked all the time and I know it's gonna be really hard for you to answer it but I'm gonna ask it anyway so if I was to start a cleaning business uh, what sort of turnover should I come off the tools oh. <laughs> how hard is that <laughs> do you ask this I have no idea <laughs> I would say you want to be looking at your profitability before you worry about your turnover. So you need to make sure that your business is making enough profit that you can afford to come off the tools. It's the reality. So I'm going to ask you a bit more. What sort of profit should
should I expect either as a percentage or as a number? Because people want to know this. And there are some pretty set numbers out there that we should expect, aren't there? So yeah. let's blow the lid on this. Let's tell people what should they expect if you run a cleaning domestic cleaning business? What profit margin should we expect? The, I think the an achievable profit margin is 30 percent. I think that if you're operating less than 20, you need to really look at your costs and your prices. If you're over 30, fantastic. But I think 30 is a good base point. So for a lot of people, their staff are their main costs. So when we're looking at staffing costs, what sort of percentage should that be making up of your turnover? Um, Usually it's around 60%. I think it's less than that in America, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. They, 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 don't, do they don't have to pay holiday pay and they don't have as many employee benefits in America. So it probably doesn't get added on top quite so much. So you're saying 60 percent, including holiday pay and, and things we've set aside. OK, that's quite interesting. So so if I was to work on these numbers, if I was charging, say, 20 pounds an hour, 60 percent of that, well, 50 percent is 10. So 60 percent is 12. Oh, I'm going to struggle to do that. Uh, minimum wage is about to go up to what ten pounds sixty. I am going to struggle. Yeah, it's probably with with minimum wage increase because minimum wages increase so quickly. Yeah. Maybe you need to be. Maybe it's going to be seventy percent. So yeah. It's, it's so if if so so again, I know we talk about prices a lot, but just working on that one. If I'm expecting sixty percent to go to staff, I'm going to have to be charging more than twenty pounds an hour. And if I'm VAT registered, obviously that comes out of my turnover, doesn't it? So it's £20 plus VAT. Yeah, absolutely. Are they, are they same, same sort of numbers in your business, Louise? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, yeah, those are the kind of numbers we're looking at. Um, and I, I see people an awful lot. And actually the biggest thing that happens is you become a busy fool. So you're running around you. And I see people that, and I don't want to cause offence when I say this. We always know that's going to cause offence. And um, charging £15 an hour and, and they go, I'm a real success. I feel really proud. I'm running. I'm so busy. You know, I've got a waiting list. I went at £15 an hour. You should do. Like at £15 an hour, you know, you, you should be, you should have queues down the block at £15 an hour. Why would anyone not take you off? They don't care if you spend half your time having a cup of tea at £15 an hour. Well, maybe not half your time, but um. And what they haven't learned is the sales skills to actually sell at a reasonable price. And what happens is they then take people on or they're scared to take people on or they have taken people on whichever way they go. Um, and then they go, oh, I'm now really busy. I've got 10 staff and I'm so busy at my 15 pounds now with my 10 staff. And I'm going, you're not making any money, are you? No, I'm not. But I feel so successful. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what what? Like, how do I break this to you? Please stop employing people. You may as well get rid of half your staff overnight because you might as well not be doing it. Yeah. And it, it but it's so difficult because it's it's how you me- how do you measure success? Do you measure it on the fact that you've got a waiting list? Do you measure it on the fact you've got 12 staff? Do you measure it on the what are you making a difference to their lives? You know, yeah. you it is success. Yeah. That's the reality. Yeah. So I measure it on your profitability and I'm going, oh my gosh, but they're not. No. No. And maybe that's where that, you know, I think what often seems to happen when people are busy in their businesses and they're measuring their success by how many staff they've got or they're measuring their success by how many clients they've got and how happy their clients are, because, of course, their clients are happy at 15 pounds an hour. They're going to think you're amazing at 15 pounds an hour. But the reality is, especially if they're still out cleaning, still on the tools, so to speak, is they are supplementing their business with their own labor because, 
if they weren't out cleaning, the business would l- probably be running at a loss, never mind not making a profit. Well, so their, their labour is almost like holding the whole business up and keeping everybody else employed, but it's not really serving them. And the whole point of any business is to make yourself redundant, but you can never replace yourself and put someone in the admin role because you're not making enough money to employ an admin person. So it's um, it's a really tricky one. But OK, so let's go back because I know again, I'm going to ask you more questions around figures. OK, so if, for example, I was charging, let's say, 15 pounds an hour at the moment, um, if I wanted to take on my first member of staff, what should I do? Uh, well, we've talked about this before, haven't we? If you're if you're gonna if you're charging fifteen pounds an hour, then b- before you even think about taking on a new member of staff, you need to make sure it's going to be worthwhile. Um, and obviously, everybody knows our opinion: fifteen pound an hour, you're not going to make any money. So why would you even be considering it? It's simple, isn't it? I asked this question to you, and it might seem repetitive because how many times are we asked these questions? And I'm like, I'm going to ask it to you again and again and again until people stop asking these questions and start charging the rates. But but yeah, there are standard rates and profitability that we should be looking at. And I think the thing the thing that I love about this podcast is that a lot of cleaners like to talk and they like to interact and they like to care about people what they don't like is the numbers and we're sort of going right let's make the numbers easy let's make the numbers as easy as possible most of us can work out 60 percent of your turnover goes to staff now subject to you not absolutely wasting money you should on 40 percent be able to make a decent amount of profit shouldn't you yeah, absolutely. And there is a reality point, though, you know, as you grow, that sometimes your profit margins get smaller for a while. But, you know, that's OK, because you, it's a smaller profit margin, but of a bigger turnover, a bigger number to start with. But, yeah, it's it's difficult to kind of not be hiding from those numbers, because if the reality is you're going out cleaning and you're not charging enough to make a profit on your staff, you're the only one generating any profit in your business. That's a hard thing to face up to. Why is it hard? Well, because it makes it it's that if your identity is your business is successful because you've got you've got a team and they're all out working all day and you're working alongside them. But the reality is that you're the only one making any profit for the business that ties in with. Yeah, it it messes up your identity, doesn't it? If you think you're successful, like a bit of a failure. Yeah, exactly. It makes you makes you feel that it's not. Why am I doing this? And, And we hear this a lot. Why am I bothering? It's not worth it. And especially, you know, this time of year, you know, we're recording this in January. You know, this time of year, a lot of us have come back after a break and just gone, oh, I hate this. This is not working anymore. And so, but some people are, and, and you know, it's, it's recognizing that that's what's happening in the industry. And our job, I suppose, on our podcast and on our role with the DCBN is to raise people up, isn't it? Is to help them be more successful. Sometimes they don't want to hear the message, which is is difficult, isn't it? It's really hard. I, I hate it. I always sort of sit there, and especially if I'm on the phone and they can't quite see my face, and I give this big sigh of like, Right, let's pop your bubble today then. Like, you know, when you go, I'm going to have to deliver the worst message because it's wrong not to deliver the message, but I really don't like it when I have to go, yeah, you might as well not be doing this. And they're like, oh, what, you don't think I'm a success? And I'm like, no, I don't. Like, I don't normally say it quite as blunt as that, no. but like. And it doesn't mean that there's not support there. It's not, not doesn't mean that it can't be changed, 
but you have to make the decision that that's what you're going to change. I suppose this all links into getting off the tools. If that's your aim, then you so much you need to do in the background to make that happen. Otherwise, you're just going to keep adding team members, <laughs> but not actually adding any more money or sustainability or security for you. Because, you know, you going out cleaning is sometimes a bit of a security blanket, both financially and mentally. And you, if you're going to go off the tools, you're ripping that away. So you need to have something underneath. Okay, you know what I'm going to ask next. What do I need to have underneath to go off the tools? Well, I think you need you need you need a financial buffer. So you need that a little bit of financial security, which means that your business needs to be profitable um, without you. <laughs> so when we say financial buffer to a lot of people, that will mean how much money do I have to have in the bank? Well, that's different for everybody. I can't kind of really say. I know for me, it was a thousand pounds, not a huge amount of money, but then. You know, I wanted a month's salary, not yeah. my salary, a month of all salaries. But for me, you know, my husband had a, a salary. So for me, having a thousand pounds buffer was enough to know that I didn't have to clean anymore. But but I transitioned. So it, it wasn't something I made a decision of overnight. But it, it, for everybody, it would be different. But it probably you're probably right. Probably a month's salary for most people will be what they'll need. But if your business is not actually profitable, then that's irrelevant anyway. And it's hard, like for me, having a month to be able to cover all my costs, all my wages costs for a month, no matter what, if I've got no payments, I could cover it. it. Oh, the stress just goes because then it becomes like a game because you're just playing. I don't like that customer anymore. Boom, gone. Or I won't, you know, you just don't have the financial worry. Yeah. And that's a dream for most people. <laughs> Yeah, and, and I suppose that's why this this getting off the tools can be quite emotional, can't it? It's like, this is what I really want to do, but I just don't know how to make it happen. Um, and it's because you're tied into either, either the working mindset or actually your business just can't support you. Um, and you have to wait maybe until it can. Okay, so I've got a financial buffer. Let's say I've got £1,000 in the business bank account. I've got £1,000 um so I can go off the tools can I what else do I need well you need some systems in place because if you're going to suddenly not be available what are you going to do when somebody phones in sick what are you going to do when somebody's on holiday what are your policies and procedures around that how do you deal that with from a customer service point of view from a staff management point of view so you need to have some things in place already that you should already be doing before you consider coming off the tools. When you say things in place, so let's assume there are handbooks and contracts and things. Really, what we're talking about having in place is the decisions are made in advance of the problem. Is that what you mean by having things in place? So having all the, all the paperwork in place, people think that's enough. But it's not if you haven't actually pre-made these decisions. If you're going to decide, actually, I cancel every time I don't have enough staff, I'll cancel. And then it's not written into the contract or it's not being explained to the customer it's useless isn't it yeah and and maybe you know in, in our business certainly we we created it we called it a decision tree and it was basically what do we do when this um, lots of scenarios there's so many different scenarios and most of us that have cleaning businesses have faced every kind of scenario in terms of what could go wrong um, and especially when we're talking about scheduling which is what this is related to so we had a decision tree what is a decision tree 
if this happens, can we move clients around? Can we extend somebody else's day? Could we, do we move the clients to the next day? Do we um, shorten the client's hours? You know, what do we do? Or do we cancel the client completely? Or originally the decision tree would have been, can Diane cover? You know, so that's now removed from the decision tree. So that's a, a little sort of scheduling system that you can use. And it removes the emotion because you just follow it through. So if someone's listening to this podcast and here's, oh, I want a decision tree in my life, you know, I'm <laughs> picturing this all over your wallpaper, you know, you always talk about it like it's a program. What is an actual decision tree? Because it's not a tree, is it? <laughs> <laughs> For us, it was literally um, a note that we, because all our, all our um, paperwork and everything that we do is all on Dropbox. So it would literally, it was in staff absence procedures and it's just a one page document that you just look at and it's like, what do I do? And it and it followed through because there were things that you would do first and things that would be last. And and when I was between eight and fifteen staff, and um, I was the last call, so the last thing on the decision tree was Diane has to go out, um, and then it was removed from the decision tree. But at that time, I did put in place a manager, so it was they were then part of the decision tree. If that makes sense, they were the ones that got the first call to go out. I love this decision tree. You know, this would be really good because there's other things that happen. Like, I can't get into this house. The cut, the key doesn't work. Okay, well, let's go down the decision tree. Are you on the right house? Can you check the door number? Can you check the road number before I phone the customer? Right? Yeah. How often are there these processes in place? Could yeah. you just check you're using the right key? Yeah. <laughs> with the right door, with the right house. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then you phone the customer and they go, I'm in. And there's no one at the door and you're like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. so th these are just little tiny systems and, and I think sometimes people think of systems as software but actually sometimes they're just how do we do it in our business how do we make decisions how do we make changes how do we do the scheduling or whatever it is that we're trying to change so uh, before I could completely be out of that I had to have all this in place but do you not think that this is part of, and I know we've talked on it on other ones, and we talked about exit plans and franchising and systemizing your business. And to be fair, they're all the same thing. Um, this is the system of making a decision. And this is the very thing that if someone wants to buy your business, that's what they want. They want your decision-making process. So creating your decision tree and having it systemized and written down is one of the most valuable things you can do. Yeah. And it, it not thing is, it helps you because it helps you when you need to make another decision about something. You can remove the emotion and just follow the process. But you're absolutely right. You can train other people to do it. And as we know, if people want to buy a business, they want to buy a business that's going to be hand, as hands off as possible. I love this. I almost want you to hold up a little decision tree, like on a piece of paper. I wish you had draw one now, aren't I? Just a little Christmas tree with, oh, shall I do this or shall I do that? It doesn't kind of, it's not quite as beautiful as that, but yeah, it, that's what it. we call it. Okay, so what else do we have to have in place to go off the tour? So we've got our decision trees, are we going to call them that? Decision yeah. trees. Some, some systems in place to, to make sure that, you know, and also I suppose what we also have to have in place is, you know, are your customers going to accept that you're no longer going to be their cleaner? Oh, mm. I mean, by the, happen, yeah, by the point you've got them, do you know what I found hardest? Actually, it wasn't customers by that point. You know, they don't see you that often anyway, because the reality is you've got hundreds of customers. 
but there was a guilt factor of the staff not seeing me working and thinking, oh, you know, she's just sat around while I'm going out. And, and you know what? That did happen at the beginning. <laughs> there was, what do you even do? I was like, oh, what do you mean? What? I'm, I'm very busy. Well, what do you do? Well, you know, I check on your work. <laughs> and, but there is a real guilt factor about it. And you do have to justify it because you've got really close to the staff normally at the point where you're stopping work and you know it's you care about their opinions and you don't want to feel like you're using them and especially if you come from a career where you are an accidental business owner you can't help but feel that that, that's how you feel you feel like you're taking advantage of other people I did maybe other people didn't feel the same way yeah, I think, but I think that's part of your transition from cleaner to business owner, isn't it? And and I know certainly the the staff that I worked alongside, it was probably harder for me to let go of them. If that makes sense, you know. And I remember going to um, uh, this is a long time ago now, and I still remember the emotion of it. Was I I got invited to um, a party? One of my team members was having a party. And I went along and um, I was at the stage then where I had stepped back from the cleaning. So I knew all the members of staff quite well, but there'd been a little bit of conflict. One of my members of staff had left and taken quite a lot of customers with her and everybody knew about it. And it was awkward, to say the least. I was, you know, obviously it hurt me at the time. I was emotionally involved and everything. And this other person had been invited along. Um, and for me, that was my realisation point of, um, they're my team members and I'm the owner of the business you mean they're not your friends because you would expect loyalty and to not invite someone that had you it's know the word screwed you over <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and so that for me was one of the big realizations that yeah I'm I'm now it's, it's not it's nothing to do with moved on from them it's just I'm not part of the team anymore that's hard isn't it yes it was really tough at the time it now doesn't bother me at all but at the time it was a real emotional transition for me and maybe you know those those that are still at that stage where they want to get off the tools you're going to have to go through that transition too it's part it's of being hard. a business owner and it's hard because if you see your success as having a team and making a difference to these people's lives and giving them good employment you know that team and that camaraderie that community really matters to you to then take a step back and go, I, I'm different. And they then go, oh, you see yourself as better. That hurts. Like that is going to hurt, isn't it? But also I, I, I've always felt that, you know, I've never felt better than them, but I have felt that I carry the weight of responsibility that they don't. Um, and that's really tough. That's really tough. And I think we've talked about this in podcasts before where you have to find other ways of remaining strong outside of your team. Yeah, it's hard. It's yeah. hard when you go, I just want you to look after me for a bit. And it's like, I don't get to turn <laughs> up to a job. <laughs> I don't really know what to do here. <laughs> like, I mean, there are times when I have said that to a customer going, I don't know what to do to make you happy. But sometimes you just go, oh, I, I'm not in the mood to solve this problem. <laughs> Somebody else be in charge today. <laughs> I don't want to be. <laughs> but there are times you go. <laughs> Or, or like you said, when they go to parties or you see they're like best mates on social media of some kind and you're like, I don't want you to be best mates. Even though I started the friendship and I was happy with you being friends now that I've fallen out, I want you to fall out. And you go, 
Ah, oh, you just can't, can you? You can't. <laughs> you know, there's a point where you have to be professional, but we're all people at the end of the day, and yeah, we're all human. And and I suppose it's you know our advice is if your plan is to get off the tools, yes, there's lots of things you need to put in place, but but you also need to understand that it'll be a transition and it might be painful, not just financially, but actually it might be emotionally painful. And just find ways of dealing with it. Obviously, you know you can reach out to us, but you know there is going to be a transition you'll change so we've talked about quite a lot of the change and some of the negatives let's look at the positive why would you want to go off the tools well because why would you not want to i don't i don't really know what, what i like cleaning i don't want to why would you want to sell sell to me why i need to come off the tools well, I would say that if you're serious about growing a business, then you have to be off the tools because your job is not to be delivering the service of your business. Your job is to be making sure everybody else is delivering a great service, not to be doing it yourself. OK, but how's that a benefit to me? The benefit to you is that you're building a business and making yourself redundant. That's kind of, you know, what the plan is for those that are building a bigger business is to be redundant or to sell it or whatever you want to do or just not passive income, but have a bit of freedom to not have to work. So one of the things that people a lot of the time want is the freedom to, especially like for me, I've got kids. I want to be able to go and see their school play and I want to go to their assembly and I want this and I want that. And while you can do that in theory and cleaning. The reality is if you're covering every opportunity, I remember one of the most devastating moments for me, and this is going to be really embarrassing. I got tickets to watch the final of Big Brother <laughs> some time ago. I don't think Big Brother's even on still anymore. But anyway, for those that remember Big Brother, um, I got tickets to see the final. It was down in London. And yes, I hadn't booked my train tickets. And then three staff called in sick on that day. And I was like, no and to get down there I can't remember what time the final was but I had to be there at like four o'clock I would have had to leave at lunchtime at 12 o'clock well they can't cover three people and be done by 12 and I chose my business and I missed my final of big brother and it was what I wanted I think it was Kate Lawler and I adored her at the time <laughs> and so, um, yeah and that's a decision point isn't it and I think that sacrificing I mean, probably perhaps if the Big Brother final was important to you, why was your customer's clean house more important? I guess for me at the time, my perception of success, my self-image of success came down to I don't cancel cleans. I am reliable. I viewed myself as a reliable person, as a reliable company. And the sick feeling of having to phone up that customer and cancel when the reality is if I miss Big Brother, I wouldn't have had to cancel. Um you, you feel an immense I would have felt an immense amount of guilt. Now, oh no, now, now it's all changed. Now I'm like, book me in. <laughs> <laughs> so is that because your measure of success was not letting people down, being professional? Yeah. And, you know, the reality is if you hadn't, if I hadn't changed, I had already changed this by COVID, but if I hadn't already changed this by COVID, if my success and my perception of myself was based on not letting people down, COVID kind times came and you had what, 50, 80% sickness. I mean, the business was closed for part of the time. I mean, that would have gone out the window at that point anyway. Um, but yeah, for a lot of us, if you look at what holds us back in business, it is all our own baggage. And yeah. If that was my baggage and if you resonate with my baggage, 
we you know you can change you absolutely can change and I know a lot of people off the back of these podcasts phone up and go Louise you said what I'm thinking and I'm like <laughs> yeah because yeah. I've had that baggage um you know might not be the big brother final but it'll be something though you know what you know we just had Christmas what about the school nativity play you know it's these I mean I you know I talk to my staff about this and kind of go you need to book them in because we we all want you to go to the nativity plays so just make sure you book the time off but as business owners do we always book the time off and it's it's a shame and you know if your motive is to to get off the tools whatever that means to you then there has to be some freedom around that and yeah yeah so if you do get off the tools the reality then becomes actually you're off the tools so when you're cleaning you've got a really clear start and finish I'm working here I'm not working there then you go off the tools and let's say there's some residual guilt okay so then you're now suddenly I work nine till three but let's say you I was cleaning nine till three and I could stop in the evening because I was working nine till three then I was working nine till three but because I felt guilt I was then working in the evenings as well and then when does work stop? Because the reality is you probably don't have an office, which would be a separate place to work. So you're working at home and then you think you're not working. But the reality is you're having dinner with your partner and you're thinking about work and you're talking about work. So are you working? Yeah. Is there ever an off button when you're a business owner? I think this comes down to a decision again. It's not a decision tree this time, but it's a decision that you know, if you're going to come off the tools, then maybe that's when your your working day becomes when you would have been out cleaning and switch off. So do you know what I love? Obviously, you know that I've been studying neurolinguistic programming. What's awesome is when I get the fun job of working with someone and they've got all of these and we start to take that decision to parts and they go, oh, my gosh, I don't think that anymore. And we go, so what are you going to do differently? And they're like, oh, it's so obvious. It's so obvious what I'm going to do that moment of absolute clarity is it's amazing that's yeah. not just nlp like it's in all coaching that moment where they just go oh and, yeah. and you feel a bit guilty as you take their version of the world and their beliefs and you start sort of picking at it and picking at it and unraveling it and there is a bit of awkwardness about that but it is lovely and then they go my goodness, I can spend the evening with my family. And actually, I could get my work done between nine and three if I started my work at nine rather than procrastinating till two. And then I'm not getting to do anything. And then, yeah. No, I agree. And and do you think there's an element here around um, identity? And, and like, you know, you said about feeling guilty, but I'm wondering if, you know, going out and actually physically working feels more like proper work than doing the invoicing or doing the marketing and it's easier to explain isn't it what did you do oh well I worked I cleaned for five hours I deserve some sympathy it's really easy to say I did this work it's clear it's tangible everyone knows you did it and you bought in money whereas not doing it you go well I sort of did some marketing that may or may not generate something I did a couple of Facebook posts and yes I did in your mind you go I did get distracted I was on the DCBN and oh my goodness you should see what's going on today (laughs) and yes I stayed there for 20 minutes is it work I think it is like yeah and I think maybe that's it's it's our definition of what's real work isn't it so like I spent two hours yesterday creating a presentation for a masterclass tomorrow night I loved every minute of doing it, but it was still work just because I enjoyed it. And then like when you're working, so you clean for five hours and you feel tired and you can, you can sort of come home, oh, I worked. And and it's like we're ingrained to whinge about work. Whereas when you love your job and 
I'll be honest, if anyone that was out and about last night, I was up till 2 a.m. because I got very excited about the latest project. And <laughs> um, which I've now got down and very excited about, which we will release at some point. But um, I love my work. I didn't want to go to bed. I was laying in bed. Eventually I went to bed going, oh, I don't want to sleep. I'm so excited. I'm going to get back on my computer. Um, but then it doesn't feel like work. And then you feel guilty going, well, OK, I worked from nine till two. Effectively, you know, I work for five hours. That is not far off a working day if you're working solidly. Um, but do you, were you really working? And you don't get to have a lie in the next day because you were working till two. Whereas what boss would not give you a lie-in if you've yeah, been up to have, have a day off in lieu wouldn't you but no you don't get any of that do you but do you think sometimes as well as, as business owners and and this sort of you know people that are still still out there cleaning and and you know and very much involved in in delivering the service is do they feel they're indispensable and that you know where I had that mindset shift of I am no longer available I'm not you know, the the only person that can do stuff in the business. I'm not the only person that can deliver a great clean. And, you know, we see a lot, you know, people that can't come to masterclasses or anything and they'll email me. I'm really sorry, there's been an emergency. I've got to go out and clean. And I'm just like, it's that need to be indispensable perhaps that's feeding it as well. Well, do you believe you're the best cleaner in your company? 100% no. (laughs) (laughs) I could be. So I could be if I wanted to be, but no, not now. Are you the best manager in your company? No, probably not. Okay, this is honestly, are you the best marketer in your company? Yes. Okay, so you shouldn't be, because the whole point is to make yourself redundant. So actually, you know. Yeah, but no, I'm I'm there's a lot that I am not good at. Not well, I'm really, really good at things, but I've trained other people to be better, or they were already better than me. Customer service, I that is I look I'm good at it, but I am nowhere near as good as the person that does it in my business. And this is the point, actually, you know, to turn around. And this is the sense of self because you've made a success of your business. You're proud to go out to your friends and say, I do all of this. And then you then have to accept that there's other people in your business that are better than you at the very thing you get your self-identity and pride from. And that's hard when like there was a long time where I believed I was the best cleaner in the entire world. (laughs) (laughs) I now don't just so you know, but like, you know, and, and that really held me back because I didn't believe that I could ever train anyone to be as good as me. I didn't believe I could ever step away because if I ever tried to step away, um, you know, things went wrong. And it's only when you realize that you are not indispensable that you you can make that shift and actually start empowering other people. Um, and you're not trying to be the best the whole time. Yeah. And, and accepting that you don't need to be the best at everything. Yeah. And that's the key to freedom anyway, because if you always believe that only you can do things, well, that's absolutely correct. It's not. If you think it is, it's absolutely correct. And yeah. if you think it isn't. There's a, there's a proper quote on that from Henry. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but I know that if you believe that, then th- that you'll just carry it on. You know, whereas if actually you realise it doesn't need to be perfect, I can train other people to do this. People do want to work. People can do a good job when I'm not there. I can have a holiday. I can go to Big Brother's final or whatever it is. You know, and I can cancel clients. You know, if that's the the outcome that's what happens and we saw this with someone in the dcbn today who's been having a bit of a tough time and they've just booked a holiday they've booked a holiday and they've gone to cancelling for a week and we're like yes yes that's the way to do it yeah (coughs) you've got to get to that point haven't you um so in conclusion ditch the guilt 
get on, make your business profitable. It's got to financially make sense. You've got to have the systems behind the scenes. Have we covered everything or is there anything more we want to add to get no, off the tools? I th- I, yeah, I think it's just make the transition. Understand it might be emotional, it might be hard, but if this is what you want, then it is possible. Yeah, I think we've covered most of the... Most people, I've got to say, we've talked about it like it's really emotional. Most people that I talk to don't have anything like this level of emotions. I think I'm just like... it wasn't like this all the time it wasn't I'm 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 like there were moments of feeling like this but it wasn't constant (laughs) yeah I think we're done well done thank you (laughs) I love to see you all and I can I give a little quick plug so if you've liked this it is worth finding out more about the DCBN visit the website on www.dcbn.org.uk and um, we've got events coming up, loads coming up. If you want real content, so we just chat on these podcasts and we love it and it's good fun. But real, the reality is we take a lot of this content and we turn it into training webinars. We turn these into presentations and we take this knowledge and we show you how to apply it to your business. So if you just want to listen to us chat about it, that's great. But if you really want to actually apply this to your business in an easy way with the templates made easy, then you have to join the DCBM. Simple, isn't it? Yeah, easy. <laughs> so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the next one.